everyone, and welcome back to the Music Therapy Podcast. Uh, the name of today's episode is Speaking with Love. What is person-first language and how can I use it? So we're going to be talking about some practical ways to kind of adjust our thinking about how we use words and the power that our words hold. So let's just get into it. First of all, what is person-first language? Person-first or people-first language um, is a way to use words or descriptors so that they're not solely identifying or limiting to the person to which they are describing. Today, we're specifically going to be talking about person-first language for people with disabilities because this is a population that doesn't get all of the media or general awareness that other groups get. A more commonplace example of this kind of in everyday life is that we, as a general therapy field and in the healthcare and education communities, we have tried hard to eliminate using the word retarded to refer to individuals with intellectual disabilities. And I've heard that this, the R word, um, I've heard this from people who have disabilities that it is as offensive to them as using the N word to refer to um, African-American people. So we've tried hard to get rid of that word in our language, but we still have a long way to go. But notice what I did. I specifically said individuals with intellectual disabilities rather than the intellectually disabled. The reason that it's important to be aware of this distinction in wording is because ultimately people have disabilities Disabilities don't have people, and people's abilities are not defined by or confined to the diagnoses they are given. All right, and now we're going to get into a quote from the Employee Assistance and Resource Network on Disability Inclusion, and it goes into explaining more about person-first language. It says that people-first language emphasizes the individuality, equality, and dignity of people with disabilities. Rather than defining people primarily by their disability, people-first language conveys respect by emphasizing the fact that people with disabilities are first and foremost just that. They are people. And that's kind of uh, the main thing that we want to hammer um, into your guys' brains and really hit home today is that people are people. Um, but I would just like to take a moment also to recognize um, that I have not been diagnosed with a disability, so I cannot speak from personal experience. And I do recognize the position and privilege that that puts me in. But I do believe as music therapists who work with people with disabilities, it is very important to be an ally and an advocate for their rights. And a big part of that is literally changing the conversation, changing the way we talk about people um, to be respectful and in a way that actively makes room to celebrate them. We've tried to link resources um, that work closely with or are written by individuals with disabilities so that we're able to speak with um, knowledge and um, firsthand experience. So we're going to try to share that as much as we can today. And of course, we will link it in the resources in the episode description. All right. So with that wonderful intro, let's get into some practical examples of how you can kind of update your vocabulary. 
And believe me, none of us are perfect, but it is something that we're trying to constantly do. So with that being said, we're going to start with this example. So it's going to be, she has autism instead of she's autistic. Again, notice that person first language in that sentence. Another example is going to be he uses a wheelchair instead of he's wheelchair bound. And we use the word nonverbal instead of mute uh, if you're going to refer to someone who does not use spoken language because rarely are people unable to produce sound and this is considered a derogatory term. Yeah, a general rule of thumb um, is rather than referring to a dysfunction, quote unquote, emphasize the function and really just ask yourself, is it even relevant to refer to a person's disability? Um, some of you probably remember that last year, the winner of America's Got Talent was a young man who was blind and has autism. I can't tell you how many times I heard people say something to the effect of, Oh my gosh, did you see the blonde autistic boy on TV? He's actually such a good singer. Isn't that cool? When really, it would have been entirely appropriate to, to just say, did you see Cody on TV last night? He's an incredible musician. His disability or disabilities do not limit his talent. And because as far as anyone goes, he's amazing. He's an amazing musician. And that's what's worth emphasizing. To take it a little bit further too, um, you know, avoid terms like suffering from or afflicted with and use words like experiencing or living with. Um, you are not the judge of who is suffering or afflicted and it's totally unnecessary to put that assumption onto someone else's life when they may not feel that way at all. Again, we're, we're emphasizing the, the function and we want to celebrate and empower people, um, you know, to live their life to the fullest. And so don't, don't use those connotations when you're talking about someone else's life. Yeah, absolutely. And similarly on that, it's, you know, it's unnecessary to say someone has quote unquote overcome their dis their disability because, you know, we should really be highlighting their success. And rather than using the term handicapped, such as when referring to, you know, a bathroom or a parking spot that is created for uh, different individuals, you want to use the term accessible. You know, it's just more inclusive language. And that's really the goal of all of this. We want to, you know, bring people into the conversation and make people feel as comfortable and just celebrated as possible. Absolutely. And um, I had the privilege recently of seeing a very, very well done documentary at the True False Film Festival, which is held here in Columbia every year. So this, this documentary just premiered like in March and it's called Crip Camp. Um, and it's about a summer camp back in the seventies. Um, it was in New York that was for children with disabilities and it follows and kind of highlights some of the campers and their life and their experience at this camp, but also how they went on to play a huge role in changing legislation on a state and a federal level uh, to fight for and be a part of the disabled rights movement and the passing of um, the Americans with Disabilities Act, so the ADA. 
uh, which, you know, if, if you know anything about um, that legislation, it was really, it was a huge step in the right direction for um, people with disabilities. And it is a very good film. And I had the pleasure of meeting the producer who was also one of the stars. And it's just very, very educational and eye-opening um, for anyone, but especially it's important for those of us who do not have physical disabilities. Um, I highly recommend seeing it and broadening your personal awareness of others' experiences. Again, it's called Crip Camp, and it is on Netflix. Um, and yeah, it's just an incredible film, and it was it's absolutely worth a watch. So let's kind of let all this sink in while we take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the other side of the conversation. Um, and that is how to help people reclaim their own labels. We'll be right back. So welcome back, everyone. So now we're going to talk about an equally important, important point of discussion, which is the empowerment movement of people with disabilities who are really trying to reclaim these labels and are using them as a positive thing. You know, one great example is the deaf community generally prefers to identify as deaf rather than hearing impaired and generally never as hard of hearing. So medically speaking, hearing impaired indicates the ability to hear at varying levels of functioning, while deafness indicates the total inability to hear. So there are some big distinctions between those two. So these two are actually two different complications. This is also true for the blind community. You know, there's a distinction between being blind and vision impaired. So we're also hearing from the autism community on reclaiming the word autistic. And this is something that kind of recently came to my attention. And this is where it's important to know people's, you know, personal preferences. And that, um, on an individual level and really try to make an effort to be aware of different opinions um, of communities at large and, you know, an individual. Absolutely. Um, there's a great article that we've linked to this, and it was written by Catherine Poe, who was writing about her journey to owning the term disabled. And she helps explain the distinction in terminology um, and the importance in terminology by saying this. The difference between saying that you are something and that you have something is important when it comes to perspective. Saying that you have something implies that it is part of you, just a bit of the bigger picture. Having something means that you own it, just like you have a car. When I say I am something, then you're saying that you are it. I am this. Not only does that make it your number one identifier, but it also says that this is what you are. She ends the article by stating that she personally has come to identifying herself as being differently abled rather than disabled. And, you know, she's been able to kind of use this to re-educate people around her and advocate for the importance of language choice. That's awesome. And, you know, the most important part of this discussion is just the awareness that words have power. 
and making an effort to be educated, kind, and to celebrate other people's abilities. And, you know, that's just the bottom line. And no one's going to be perfect, but it's all about that constant education and just trying to be really sensitive. So we should just encourage and try to help empower people to use their own labels and determine what words mean for them personally. And yes, there are words that are generally accepted and, you know, as completely inappropriate and highly offensive, uh, like in invalid or cripple, but really beyond that, take the time and just strive for humility to listen and learn. Absolutely. And to kind of go a step farther and to open up this whole conversation and kind of zoom out a little bit more, I want to challenge our listeners to consider how to apply person-first language to all persons who you may not have considered before. For instance, we can say people who are experiencing homelessness or houselessness rather than homeless people. Because again, they're people. And do they need to be solely identified on their housing status? Probably not. We should say older adults instead of elderly. Um, rather than say female firefighters, can't you just say firefighters? And rather than saying she's anorexic, give her the power and say she has anorexia nervosa. Let's just zoom out to our most fundamental language choices. And even at, at, at the most basic level, rather than saying those who dot, 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 say people who dot, 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 because that's what we all are, people. Think about if the language that you're using is inferring stereotypes, judgment, or disrespect, and rephrase your meaning so that you're using respectful language and empowering others not to be looked down upon by labels and diagnoses. You know, this is just kind of a brief introduction into person-first language, but I hope that you found it helpful. I'd like to end our conversation with this quote. Words can inspire and words can destroy. Choose yours well. By Robin Sharma. We'll be right back with our repertoire challenge. Hang with us. All right, guys, welcome back. And to wrap up this episode, we're going to end with our weekly repertoire challenge. So this is for all you interns or NTBCs that are trying to really build that repertoire. So the song that we chose for this week is Be All Right by Kalani. And I really love her music. It's awesome, just relaxing R&B. Um, her vocals are incredible. And so I just kind of discovered this one recently. And I think it might be a really good choice for doing some lyric analysis or instrument play with maybe teens or young adults. So uh, give this one a shot. And I hope you guys enjoy learning it this week. Yeah, I love that. Good choice. Okay, Aubrey, do you have any final thoughts on what we've talked about today? I know we kind of we got through a lot out there in a short amount of time. So is there anything that you want to say before we wrap up our time together? Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people are having conversations about, um, you know, personal pronouns, which is also very important and kind of was something I was also thinking about when uh, looking at this episode today. And, you know, our culture at large is having the conversation about that, you know, making sure that people are 
you know, equipped with the skills to identify in the way that they feel, you know, uh, with his or her pronouns, they, them. And I just felt like, you know, we really should be including those who have disabilities or any other kind of individuals that may not get highlighted and may not have quite um, that large of a platform and we needed to talk about them as well. So I'm just glad we covered this today. You know, it's something that we might all slip up on of saying something that is either not deemed appropriate or something that is just a, a bad habit. And that's okay. Give yourself some grace, but just try and be as aware as possible and know that those around you who may have disabilities are really just going to be thankful that you're just trying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a professor once who we we were having a class discussion about this very topic. And this was kind of that was kind of in um, a really eye opening conversation for me. Um, and she kind of was like, you know, the words like PC and political correctness get a really bad rep mm-hmm. and have very like charged con- political connotations and, um, you know, kind of a negative <laughs> aura around them, if you will. And she was like, we kind of need to just throw that out. And PC should really just mean person centered. And so I think, you know, that's kind of the heart of person first language mm-hmm. is being respectful, being kind, and just being sensitive. And I think that's all that anyone, you know, could ask or expect. And so, yeah, give yourself grace because changing the way that you speak does take time and habit. But if you're making a conscious effort to be kind to those around you, then you're on the right track. So keep it up. I hope today's episode kind of gave you some um, some ideas on how to just restructure your sentences a little bit. It's not even new words, um, you know, and they will go a long way. It can make a big difference. So thank you for hanging in there with us. Yeah. Um, So next week, we're going to be talking about CBMT study tips. So students, specifically interns, um, this is for you. Aubrey and I are going to kind of lay out the resources that we have all of the tips and tricks that we've come up with so far. And we're just going to try to give you a big old, um, a big episode of resources to help get you feeling prepared, maybe calm down a little bit about the, um, the board exam. So tune in next time. And as always, we want to hear from you. So feel free to email us at intern at givingsong.org. Or as always, DM us on our Instagram or Facebook. Um, Please leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And remember, when in doubt, make music.